0: Let's say you're going to take an Uber or a Lyft. You get out your phone, request the ride. And on the other end, this is what the driver gets.
1: There's about eight to ten seconds of very loud pinging that you can't really miss (laughs) (laughs) if you're in the car with your phone. And you get a little bit of initial information about the passenger, but you don't know much.
0: That's Harry Campbell, who used to be a driver. He was an engineer from nine to five, and he drove ride shares in his off hours.
1: You sort of only know about where they are and about how long it's going to take to get to them. And then you have the option to accept or ignore that request. If you accept the request, the Uber driver app will then tell you how to route and navigate towards that passenger.
0: Harry has a blog now. It's called The Rideshare Guy, and it's become his full-time job. He talks to drivers, surveys them on things like pay and working conditions, writes articles, and basically acts as a hub of information about the industry. I wanted to talk to Harry because he knows what it's like to be a driver, and he understands the rideshare world from firsthand experience. And right now, the big thing in that world is a new law in California. California's governor is expected to sign new legislation intended to help the legion of independent workers. Come January, it will classify rideshare drivers and a lot of other gig economy workers not as independent contractors the way they are now, but as employees. The law would make gig workers eligible for benefits. But companies like Uber, Lyft and DoorDash are spending big. The law is called AB5, Assembly Bill 5. Uber and Lyft fought hard against it and lost. A lot of workers have been celebrating.
1: It's going to ensure that they have minimum wage and overtime and sick leave and
0: family leave and unemployment insurance and workers compensation and the right to organize into a union and collectively bargain. Despite the good intentions of the law, it might end up hurting some of the workers it's meant to protect. AB5 affects tons of workers in California, but we're going to look specifically at ride share drivers. Some of these drivers would benefit a lot from being reclassified as employees. But others say the law would take away the best part of being a driver. Today on the show, the fight over AB5. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD? A show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stay with us. For the ones who get it done. Uber and Lyft have always classified their drivers as independent contractors. But once AB5 goes into effect in January, companies can't call someone an independent contractor unless that worker meets a three-part test called the ABC test. I asked Harry to walk me through it.
1: Part A of the test basically just requires that the worker is free from the control and direction of the company that's hiring them.
0: Part C is pretty straightforward. It says basically that the contractor would be in this line of work independently anyway, even if they weren't working for a big company. But part B, that's the trickiest part.
1: That's kind of the key part for Uber and Lyft because it requires that the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity. So if you're an Uber or Lyft driver and you're working for Uber and they say that they're a technology company, you're now outside the course of their normal business. But if the courts determine that Uber and Lyft are a driving company, a taxi company, then you kind of fail that part B of the test.
0: Uber and Lyft have been arguing for years that they are technology companies, not transportation companies, because that would mean they'd take on less responsibility for their drivers. Under the ABC test, that argument feels strained.
1: I guess when I looked at this test, I thought to myself immediately, hey, Uber fails all of these (laughs) Um, in my mind. But for me, it just doesn't really pass a smell test. You know, Uber and Lyft, they're giving rides to people, but they say they're a technology company. It kind of seems like a little bit, you know, laughable to me, to be frank. And as for what the drivers want, it's complicated.
0: You did the survey of your blog's readers about whether they wanted to be employees or independent contractors. What did you find out?
1: Yeah, so we actually found that over, right around two thirds of drivers wanted to be independent contractors. I probably talked to thousands of drivers over the years in person and interviewing them, social media, email, everything. And I think when you think about it, it actually makes sense because a majority of drivers are working part time. You know, they're working 10 to 20 hours a week or less. And they value a lot of the aspects of being an independent contractor, you know, the flexibility. And of course, they're still doing it for the money. But when you're only working five to 10 hours a week, you can imagine that there may be weeks where you don't work at all. And so I think that for a lot. Lot of those drivers who are in that part-time position, they're just scared of losing that if they were to become employees.
0: Harry returns over and over to this idea of flexibility, because it's one of the things that makes rideshare driving so appealing. You know, for me, I want to stay independent. I'm not interested in being an employee. That's exactly what the reason why we're doing this, is to be independent. To work when Whether it's making extra cash while you're in school or adding a second source of income in your spare time... It's hard to find another job with the same kind of freedom. If we have to be an employee, we going to have to find something else. (laughs) I'm really interested in this part-time and full-time distinction. Um, The numbers show there are about 300,000 drivers in California. Do we know what percent of those drivers are working more than, say, 30 hours a week?
1: It it seems like about 20% of the workforce is doing 30 to 40 hours a week or more. And so it's a small number. But one really interesting thing that we've seen is that that 20% actually makes up over 50% of the total hours worked on the platform, right? So basically, it's kind of like a small number of people are actually doing a majority of the trips. They're working a majority of the hours because they're out there 40, 50 hours a week. So... A lot of the supporters of AB5 are these ones who are full time, you know, they don't have benefits elsewhere, they're not getting healthcare elsewhere, and they they're sort of getting paid like independent contractors, but treated like employees. So they're getting the worst of both worlds right now in the current setup. And I guess the real question is, like, how much more important is their voice than the 70, 80 percent of drivers who are, you know, this income isn't as important to them, but they will likely lose some flexibility if, if drivers would become employees.
0: That seems like such a fascinating tension that the majority of the work is done by this minority of people who are working like employees.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, kind of, I'm you're, you're, you're talking to someone right now who was always in that part-time category. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily in my best interest to say that, <laughs> you know, the, these 10 to 20% of drivers who want to be employees are doing most of the work. But it's also true. And so I think that that's kind of been one of my biggest problems and something that I don't think has been talked about enough is that I think there are going to be real trade-offs with AB5 passing and drivers becoming employees. But that's also okay. But one thing that all drivers... drivers... Drivers care about is earning more. One thing that all drivers care about is not being unfairly deactivated. One thing that all drivers care about is lowering the commission that Uber and Lyft take on every ride. They're taking 30 to 40% on average out of every single fare. And in some cases, it's up to 50, 60, 70% on certain rides.
0: Whoa, that's a lot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so imagine you do a $100 ride and you look at the receipt and you see that Uber took 50 to $60 and you did all the work, right? That's a real example that someone sent me just the other day. And so these are things that actually all drivers care about. So I feel like legislation that's trying to solve a lot of these problems could get support from all drivers if they were attacking these issues that all drivers cared about.
0: Okay. But like I look at AB5 and there are a lot of protections in the bill that seem pretty good healthcare yeah. subsidies paid parental leave overtime pay you know the the potential to unionize i guess why wouldn't everybody want that
1: So, what I find really almost ironic with AB5 is that a lot of what it does and the power that it gives to drivers and workers, especially with the ability to unionize and collectively bargain, it actually is doing a lot of what drivers care about. Low pay and all of these issues with Uber and Lyft, I think, could be solved by AB5, but... I think the mechanism, the way that it's doing it, you know, through employee classification and through a union, these are very polarizing topics and it almost kind of lines up with, you know, kind of like the current political uh, sphere that we're living in, where everything is so polarizing and everything turns to politics. Now, I will say we stay very far away from politics on my site, but it is pretty clear that people have very strong opinions just in the sense that they don't want to be employees. You know, they, you know, we see, especially with California, we've seen a lot of comments from drivers in other other states, you know, talking about liberal California and everything, you know, how they're screwing everything up with regulation and taxes. And so even though it's on the surface, it may not seem like a political issue, even just the way that you're talking about these things, employee and unions and um, all of these kind of like almost political uh, ways of looking at it does seem to be pretty polarizing for a lot of drivers.
0: Okay, maybe I'm a total Pollyanna. But one question <laughs> that I have about the flexibility question, is just why why can't the companies offer more flexibility to people who are driving even if they are employees like it's in their pow- within their power to do that
1: Yeah. And so that's actually been the big argument by the supporters of AB5. So to their credit, there's nothing in the text of AB5 or the Dynamics decision or any legal decision that says as employees, drivers would have to work shifts or, you know, that it would be less flexible. I think where the fear comes from is the fact that almost every other single employee like job doesn't give you any of that flexibility. (laughs) Right. Mm. So I think that that's why people are a little scared. And I think that there's actually some real-life examples, like in New York, where they're doing a minimum pay for drivers, and we're actually seeing some of the trade-offs there.
0: On Tuesday, New York City's Taxi and Limousine Commission voted to raise the ride-sharing driver's minimum wage to $17.22 per hour. This This rule change doesn't tackle the employee versus contractor question, but it does give us some information about how the companies react to this kind of legislation and what it means for
1: drivers. So if Uber and Lyft have to pay drivers a minimum wage, basically, what that means is that you can't just go log on whenever and wherever, right? If you log on on a Tuesday afternoon at 3 p.m. when there are almost no rides outside the city out in the suburbs or in the boonies, Uber and Lyft don't want to pay you minimum wage if you're not going to be doing any trips. So what they've started doing in New York City is not allowing drivers to go online in areas like that where it's not busy, where there's no demand.
0: Have you gotten feedback from drivers in New York about how the law has affected what they're doing?
1: Yeah, so after this minimum pay has gone into effect, these new rules have gone into effect, drivers are actually earning more. So that's been one of the nice things, but we've definitely seen a lot of complaints from drivers and even a couple protests because of the kind of counter moves that Uber and Lyft have been doing, like this limiting of drivers of where and when they can go online.
0: You know, when I think about What this law and the debate around it mean for the future. One of the things that I was struck by is that the companies, which have usually gotten their way in big lobbying and legal fights, lost. And I wasn't expecting it. And I know that, that you weren't either.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a very big uh, article all about AB5 almost six months ago or so, kind of before uh, Uber and Lyft lost this fight. And I'll admit it, too. I did not think that Uber and Lyft would lose. I was really surprised that, you know, these multi-billion-dollar companies could basically lose this ruling that threatens their entire business model.
0: Just because they lost this fight doesn't mean Uber and Lyft are giving up. Last week, the companies started taking steps to put a measure on California's ballots that would exempt rideshare and delivery drivers from the law. And along with some other companies, they're putting tens of millions of dollars behind their effort.
1: Uber and Lyft and all of these gig companies have basically come out and said that they're not going to comply with the law. And then you also have this ballot measure in the background that Uber and Lyft are going to be pushing. So that's kind of my big worry is that this could turn into a huge, long legal battle and basically nothing is going to improve for drivers. So we'll sort of see what happens.
0: You know, I know that you've worked not just as a driver, but when you're writing about this stuff, you've worked for DoorDash. You've done different kinds of food delivery. And I guess it makes me wonder when you think about this from like the 35,000 foot view. In this kind of economy, should we be thinking about some other designation that's not employee versus independent contractor? Like we're in a new world of work now.
1: I think that that's an option. I don't know that I'm sold on it because I still think that the employment model works really well on all the protections that people have fought for, right? There's minimum wage for a reason, right? So there's a lot of these protections are there for a reason. So I don't like the idea of these companies kind of getting around that and, you know, treating these drivers who are doing 40, 50 hours a week so poorly, but at the same time, uh, I don't like sacrificing all the part-time drivers. So for me, the model that I would like would be one where drivers could be employees and could be hired like employees and maybe they have a little bit more rigid scheduling but you know there's a lot more security in that job and then at the same time drivers could also come in as independent contractors and be treated like true independent contractors you may not get the cream of the crop in that when it comes to shifts but I mean there are a lot of businesses out there that currently hire employees and independent contractors and typically you know the independent contractors might come in to fill the gaps or to you know kind of work when it's really busy and so I think that type of model could work better than going out and creating a whole new third category that could change in a few years.
0: Harry Campbell, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Harry Campbell is the founder of The Rideshare Guy, a blog and podcast for rideshare drivers. Okay, that's the show. What Next TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks and hosted by me, Lizzie O'Leary, and it's part of the larger What Next family. Mary Harris will be talking impeachment later today, so keep an eye out for that episode in your feed. And TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University and New America. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.